Okay, we're doing a sermon series right now called Flawed. And uh, this morning we're going to look at one of the most famous guys in the Bible, a guy named Noah. And uh, when I was a kid growing up in the church, uh, whenever my uh, Sunday school teacher said that we're going to be talking about Noah, there was a wave of giddiness that would just kind of sweep through the class because Noah was kind of the guy. And uh, whenever she would pull out her flannel graph board, if you don't know what that is, Google it. You'll see it on Google somewhere. But whenever they would pull up the flannel graph board, it was always Noah that was the most exciting flannel graph because there was the ark and all the animals and all that stuff that was going on. Um, when, when Becky and I found out about 13 years ago that we were going to be having a son, we, we th- went and did, did some research on all the different themes out there, and we landed on what was probably the most popular theme uh, 13 years ago, which was Noah's Ark for little baby boys. And we had a little Noah's Ark crib liner and a Noah's Ark blanket with all the little cute little elephants and bears and lions and all that kind of stuff on there. And then in recent years, thanks to guys like Steve uh, Carell and Russell Crowe, Noah has become even more famous. Everybody knows who Noah is. And then even more recently, in the last few years, I don't know if you saw this, but some guy over in Kentucky went and built a life-size Noah's Ark, and there's like a Noah's Ark theme park, amusement park. You can go there and walk through and see all these, like, displays on Noah, and, and it, it look, actually looks very interesting. It sounds a little weird, but um, kind of interesting, too, I guess. But the story of Noah and the Ark, it happens near the very beginning of the Bible, where in Genesis 6-9, the Bible has these words. It says this, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Now, there's a lot of themes in the story of Noah that we could, we could tackle this morning. Um, but one of the themes that we're actually not going to tackle is God's justice. But just a quick note, because if you've heard this story before, you know that this is actually a lot of people who, who don't believe in God, two of the big issues they have with God are pain and suffering. And the other issue they have with God is this story right here, the story of Noah, where God comes along and says, I'm just going to wipe out everybody. But the, the theme here that, that is on clear display probably better than it is in just about any other place in the Bible, is the justice of God. The simple fact of the matter is that there's a penalty for sin and evil, which is something that we're generally okay with and we understand as long as it's um, not our, our sin that's, that's getting the penalty paid for. And, but, but this is a picture here how the earth has become totally corrupt and evil. It wasn't even just like there was pockets of it here and there. It was the, the everybody. It was it was total evil, corruption, depravity, and God in his, in his justice is about to deal with it. But in his grace, he's going to spare Noah and his family. And so God goes on to give Noah some very detailed instructions about how he wants the ark to look. It's going to be 450 feet long, so it's going to be about the, the length of a football field and a half. Um, it's going to be 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. It's going to be over um, 100,000 feet of, of deck sp- space. That's enough for 500 train cars. Uh, plenty of space, by the way. A lot of people question, okay, how did all those animals get on the ark? Well, there actually only needed to be room when you, when you look at the, the number of species for about 36,000 animals. So that's actually plenty of room for all the animals, big and small. 
And, and God explains all this, and then he explains the, the size of the boat. Then he brings the, the bad news to Noah. He says this. He says, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And then as, as God kind of concludes this sort of, uh, these instructions, he goes on to talk about the animals and two by two and how they're all going to come in the ark. As God is concluding it, there's a line in the Bible that to me is just simply astounding. And it's astounding because I know that if God were to come to me and say, Rich, I want you to build me a boat, and it's going to be a boat big enough to have 36,000 animals, and it's going to be in your front yard, and then I'm going to flood the whole entire earth, and then you're going to be saved from all that because of this boat that I'm going to build, I would probably say, uh, God, could you maybe find somebody else to do that job for you? But the Bible describes Noah's response to God's command by simply stating this, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. It was an incredible act of faith. And in Hebrews 11, Noah's faith and his obedience is summarized like this. It says, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, it's a key part we're going to be diving into this morning, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Noah was a man of faith. He was also a man that had a lot of flaws. And we don't have time this morning to read the, the, the whole story of Noah, but, but several years after the flood had taken place and they landed on dry land, we find Noah completely wasted, passed out in his tent, lying naked as a jaybird. Now, I don't know what a jaybird looks like naked, but I don't think it's a very pretty sight. <laughs> That's where Noah is. Um, later on in the story. Noah had flaws, and yet Noah is remembered not so much for his flaws, but he's remembered for his faith. And this morning what I'd love to do is talk a little bit about the process of faith and how it works, and then get into some of the blessings that come with faith. But in Noah, we, we see how true faith works, and how true faith, it has, it has three parts. It has hearing, trusting, and obeying. Hearing, trusting, and obeying. Three parts that make up faith. Let's start by looking at the first part of it, hearing. Noah, Noah is about, just going about his day when, when God comes along and begins to speak to him. And what does Noah do? Noah listens, and he hears God. The starting point of faith is always hearing God speak. It's always hearing God speak. The Bible says it like this. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And this is really important to understand because there's a lot of confusion in the church around what it means when we talk about God speaking to us. Uh, for starters, some people don't believe that God even speaks today. Like that was something that he did long ago. That was way back in the Bible days. They have this idea of a God who is distant. Their understanding is that he doesn't speak to us as much as we read about him in the Bible. Others have this idea that God speaks to everybody else, just not to them. He's a God who, who's concerned with everybody else, but just not with them. He's a God who'd rather be over here hanging out with the cool kids, just not with, with me. Others think that God only speaks through the Bible. That's it. He doesn't speak in any other way. He just speaks through the Bible. But God speaks today 
And he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you not just when you're reading the Bible. He wants to speak to you when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at home, when you're doing the dishes, when you're, when you're out going for a hike. He wants to be speaking with you because he wants you to know him. And, and the Bible is, is just full of one example after another example after another example of, of, of times where God speaks. In Genesis 3.9, right from the very beginning, God calls out to Adam. Genesis 8.15, God speaks to Noah. A couple chapters later, he speaks to Abraham. Later on, he speaks to Jacob. Then he speaks to Joseph. In, in Exodus 6.2, he speaks to Moses. Later on, he speaks to the Israelites. Then he speaks to David. The Bible is full of story after story after story where God spoke. And if God didn't have any interest in speaking to us today, he played a very cruel joke on us by giving us a book of story after story where he speaks to people. He speaks. John 10 puts it more clearly than just about any other place in the Bible. It says this, the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. They know what he sounds like because God is speaking to them. If you were to come to me and ask, hey, Rich, um, what have you been talking to your kids about lately? And if I was to say, um, nothing. Uh, me and my kids, we don't ever talk. I never talk whatsoever. But I love my kids a lot. You'd be going, okay, Rich, you're a little bit off your rocker, buddy. Like, you don't ever talk to your kids? That's just, that's just off. Why do we think it should be any different with our Father in heaven? God speaks to us. He speaks to us all the time. And the, the primary way that he speaks is, is definitely through the Bible. But he also speaks through impressions that he puts on our heart. He speaks through people. He speaks through books. He speaks through, um, he speaks through nature. He speaks through spouses. There's many ways, hundreds of ways that he'll speak to us and, and, and work through somebody or something to speak to us. But if you really want to hear God speak, you have to learn to recognize his voice. And you do that by slowing down to actually listen. If there's no space in your life for prayer, no space in your life for the Bible, no space in your life for a day off, always living life in a hurry, going a thousand miles an hour, you're going to have a hard time hearing God. You need to slow down, pay attention, and, and, and listen. Hearing God, though, it's the starting point of faith every time. Noah hears God speak. God has a job for him to do. And then Noah has a choice in that moment. He can either trust God or he can refuse to trust God. Noah, as we see in the story, he trusts. And that's not to say that that Noah didn't have some doubt, that Noah didn't have some apprehension, that Noah didn't have some fear. That was a whole part of the process, um, that he wasn't a little bit, uh, afraid about what might happen as he builds a giant ship in the middle of the desert. In fact, I believe that, that he struggled with all that stuff. And you know how I, I, I know that? It's because Noah was human. He was human. Anyone who tells you that they just immediately, wholeheartedly, boldly follow Jesus into the wild unknown, I don't think is being completely honest, not telling the whole story. You see, the thing with faith is that it involves that which you can't see. Faith involves stuff you, you can't see. It's the unknown, and that, that can be a scary place. If I can see it, faith actually really, it's not, it's not involved. Me sitting on a chair 
doesn't require faith. Why? Because I can see the chair and I can see the legs. Me going to the back of the room and flipping on the light switch does not require faith because I can go outside, I can see the power lines that are plugged into the Puget Sound Energy power grid. That's not faith. If, if I can see it, it doesn't require faith. I once heard a preacher say the opposite of faith isn't doubt. You know, sometimes we hear the opposite of faith is doubt. Don't doubt, have faith. But, but I heard this guy talking about the opposite of faith is not actually doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. When you can see it, that doesn't require faith. When I know for sure, faith isn't required. And, and when I'm dealing with uncertainty, not being able to see, not knowing for sure, that causes some doubt, that causes some fear, that causes some apprehension. And when that happens, that is 100% normal. But the thing about faith and what, what is different about Noah and the other people that we've been looking at in Hebrews 11 is that they, they push through the doubt. They push through the fear. They push through all that apprehension, and they chose to trust, to believe. So for me, one of the things that, that, that has been a constant battle for me and that's been a big part of my faith journey has involved this thing called leadership, the place God has chosen to put me in, in ministry. God comes along, he says, Rich, I want you to be a leader. And my response is, is not to go, well, God, it's about time that you notice my amazing gifts and talents and leadership ability. When are we ready to roll? It's not that at all. It's, what? You want me to be a leader? God, that's, are you serious? That's not me. I, I don't see what, whatever you see in me, I don't see it. God, I'm just regular, old, ordinary, rich. God, I know what happens when when people step up and lead, God, I know that it can be a scary place. God, I know what happens to leaders. I know how people have a tendency sometimes to just, like, despise them. God, I've seen what happens to leaders who, who, who get in a leadership position. They either get puffed up with pride or they just completely burn out and fizzle out and fade off into oblivion. God, ye, I, whatever you see in me, God, I, I just don't see it. To which God comes along and responds, I'm not asking you to walk by sight. I'm asking you to walk by faith, to believe that which you cannot see. And the question for us when God leads us to this place is whether or not we will trust him, whether or not we're going to trust him. Uh, And my question that I've been asking a lot throughout this series is where is God asking you to step out in faith? Where is he asking you to step out in faith? Where has he led you to do something that you can't do on your own? Where is he leading you into a place that's going to require something of you that you don't feel you can do? Where is he challenging you, pushing you beyond your own abilities? If your answer is, I don't know, then, then the problem might be that you're just not taking the time to listen to him. Or it might be that you just need to go back and figure out what he asked you to do way back there and you just still haven't done yet. Because something that I've come to learn about God through Scripture and through this, this, this faith journey, walking with Him, is that God is, is constantly leading me to the edge of the cliff, so to speak, and saying, now I want you to take another step. Trust me, it'll be okay. Faith starts with hearing God, and, and then it's about trusting God, but there is still one aspect of, uh, another aspect of faith and this last part of faith is what, what follows hearing God and trusting God. It's the action part of faith. 
It's following Jesus wherever he leads, even if the place he's leading me is to build a ship the size of a football field because a bunch of animals are going to come when it floods the whole earth, the water. Noah hears God, but it doesn't stop there. Um, In his heart, he chooses to trust God, but it doesn't even stop there. His faith really kicks into gear when he walks down to the lumber store and says, um, uh, this is going to sound a little bit crazy, but I need to put an order in for a whole bunch of timber. His faith really kicks in when he goes to his wife and says, hey, I got some news that you're going to want to sit down for. We're going to build ourselves a ship right there in the front yard. His faith really kicks into gear when he begins to lay timber on top of timber, and he grabs his hammer, and he hammers it together over and over and over again, hammer, 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 for 120 years. That's how long it took. That is when faith begins to kick in. It kicks in when, when he faces the ridicule from friends and family and neighbors who are going, Noah, you are completely off your rocker, buddy. That's when faith really quick kicks in. Faith is not just hearing. It's not even just trusting and believing. It's obeying. It involves action. The Bible says it like this in, in James chapter 2. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you, exclamation point. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble and tear. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And here's a key line here in this whole text. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. The journey of walking with Jesus, following him, is a journey of faith. God will lead you over and over and over and over and over again to a place that is going to require faith. And the journey begins with faith. You know, God begins, I don't know if you remember back in the day, for those of you in the room that have given your, your heart to Jesus, I don't know if you remember back in the day when you, you, before you had met Jesus where the journey began, but God began to draw you to himself. Maybe it was a sermon that was preached. Maybe you had a conversation with a friend who, who knew Jesus and they were just sharing their story. Maybe you just decided randomly, sit in a hotel room, grab a Gideon Bible and just randomly thumb through there. And God began to call you and he began to speak to you saying, I am the way. I'm the one that you've been looking for. But it was God speaking. He speaks to you. And you have, you have to make a decision. Will you trust him? Or, or the alternative, which is basically just to trust yourself. And, and you've got this choice. And when you trust him and you put your faith in him, the action part of faith happens when you turn from your old way and you turn to Christ's way. And you begin doing things his way. And, and then you follow Jesus into the waters of baptism. You go, this is crazy, getting dunked in water in front of a bunch of people. But if Jesus says repent and be baptized, I'm just going to do it. 
the faith journey continues as he invites you to pray. And you're thinking, what, pray to some guy that I can't even see? That's odd. Every day, what, what's that all, that all about? Then one day you find yourself uh, being led by Jesus to get connected, to be a part of not just attending a church, but being a part of a church family, getting community. Again, the doubt and the fear creeps in. You go, I'm not good with people. I don't know anybody. What if they don't like me? What if they do do weird things? What if they ask me to pray out loud? Then one day God works and he begins to ask you, lead you to another place. Maybe it's, it's, it's to give. He wants you to be free from greed. He wants you to experience the joy of generosity. But you're like, no way, God. I can barely pay the bills as it is. I have all this money here. It's saved up for vacation, for college, on and on and on. But eventually you move to faith. You're like, okay, God, I'll trust. I'll do it. But Jesus doesn't stop there. At some point, he asks you to be generous in another way. He comes along and he says, hey, you have gifts. You have talents. You have passions. I've given those to you. I want you to, 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 to take those and begin to serve others with those. Following Jesus is just one big, massive faith journey. Listen, trust, obey. But a lot of times we get hung up on listen, don't we? He asks us to do something, and we're like, I don't know about that one. And we stop there. Or maybe in our heart we go, okay, that sounds good. God, I believe. You're trustworthy. But we don't, we don't take the, the next step. But, but it's about listening, trusting uh, listening, trusting, and obeying. And, and where's God simply asking you to follow and obey? Where, where is that? Maybe for you, it's, it's getting baptized. It's getting dunked in water. You've given your life to Jesus, but it's just like you haven't followed him. And the f- very first thing that he's asked you to do as a new believer, get baptized. Maybe for somebody else, it's to start tithing. Maybe for somebody else, it's to increase your giving. Maybe for somebody else, it's to have a conversation. Maybe it's offering somebody forgiveness that that you need to forgive. Maybe it's having a conversation with somebody that, that Jesus is leading you to have a conversation with. Where is he speaking? And will you trust and obey? Noah, he builds the ark, and he takes the step. He trusts and obey, and then he just, he just keeps on going. And a couple of things that, that you need to know about godly obedience that we see in this, this story of Noah. Number one, it's uncomfortable. Godly obedience is uncomfortable. And we've talked a lot about this in the last several weeks, so we're not going to hang out here for long. But you need to know a life of following Jesus is not a life of comfort and safety. It's just not. They're, they're not the same thing. Building an ark was not safe and comfortable for Noah. Um, this past week... I was having a conversation with one of the guys in our church, and uh, we were just talking about safety in the church and, and how we love to refer to church as a safe place. And I get where that comment is coming from, and I understand the heart behind that. It's about we are a place of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. We're a place of grace. Come as you are. Yes, 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 that is all 100% true. However, don't think for a second that this being a safe place means that God's going to allow you to settle into a place that's cozy, comfortable, where he'll just let you play it safe for the rest of your life and walk by sight rather than by faith. If you think that's how God works, you're wrong. Just ask Noah. Just ask Noah. Show me a Christian who lives by sight, and I'll show you a Christian who lives their life disconnected from Jesus. 
Because Jesus is constantly leading us into a place of living by faith. Following Jesus is uncomfortable. Another thing about godly obedience is that it attracts attention. Some of that attention will be negative. Some of it will be positive. Some of it will be negative from people who think you're just weird for following Jesus, who think you're crazy. You know, following Jesus isn't always the path to popularity. To all the students that might be in the room this morning, godly obedience isn't necessarily going to make you the cool kid. It's just not. You might attract some negative attention from fellow students, from teachers who think you've just gone off the deep end. But even though godly obedience will attract negative attention, it will also attract the attention of people who are hungry and thirsty for something more than the empty lives that they find themselves stuck in. The person who's made Jesus their joy and will gladly follow him wherever he leads, that person becomes like a light in the darkness, shining brightly. And the last thing about godly obedience is that it leads to incredible blessing. It leads to incredible blessing. I love how the book of Hebrews describes Noah and just what happened there. It says that Noah became an heir of righteousness. He was made right with God. His faith was made strong. He was able to know God in a way that most people don't. He had the, 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 the privilege of seeing that those who hold fast to God, even in the midst of troublesome times, will be protected. He learned the truth that, that God really does reward those who earnestly seek him. He inherits not only righteousness, but this, this whole new world. And in the end, not only does Noah get rewarded, but you know who else does? His family. His family. I was talking with a friend this last week about, about Noah and the story, and we were talking about how the story of Noah is usually preached like this. Sin, sin, sin. It's just bad. It's bad. It'll destroy you. It'll just take you out. It'll bring you down. After all, God curses those who are against him and therefore turn you from your wicked ways and, and, and just get right with God right now. And you know, there's a better lesson, actually, in the story of Noah for us. There's a better lesson. And that's this. When we trust and obey, when we walk by faith, make our lives about Jesus, say no to the sin of, of our fathers and mothers, the sin of the world we live in, guess what God does? He comes along and he blesses. He blesses. In fact, listen to how he puts it. He says, I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. In the life of faith, trusting and obeying God, it will lead to immeasurable blessing, not only for you but for your family, and it doesn't even stop there. Your life ends up becoming a blessing to everyone that your life rubs up against Jesus said it like this. He said that we'd be like a city on a hill, that we'd be like a light just blazing brightly, a light in the darkness. People would see our love. They'd see our devotion to him. They would see the way that we are committed to following him, even when the circumstances of our life might be just caving in. And, and, and in the end, people will be drawn to Jesus. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus and follow him wherever he leads, it leads to blessing. It leads to a life of blessing. And all this happens as we start off by just hearing God, being in a place, putting ourselves in a place where we're listening to him, and then not stopping with just hearing, 
But being like Jesus encouraged us to be, not just hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. We move to a place where you go, okay, Jesus, I trust you enough that even though maybe I don't understand the whole picture of what you're calling me into or what you're asking me to do, even though it's scary, even though I'm a little bit apprehensive about this, even though I've got some doubt here, Jesus, I'm going to trust and obey you, and I'm going to do whatever it is that you're asking me to do. And when you do that, God does what he always does, what he loves to do. He's a good heavenly father. He, he, he pours out blessing. I don't know what that blessing might look like. It might be peace. It might be joy that he brings. But, but he's a father who loves to lavish his blessing on us. But let's be people who, who listen to God, who trust and obey him, and then follow him, who put that faith into action with whatever it is that he's asking us to do. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, you have called us God, into this life of following you that is, God, it's really, God, it's a, it's a wild, crazy adventure. This life of, of walking by faith, not by sight. Following you into the, the unknown, following you into the place of uncertainty. God, doing that which you ask us to do that we just don't see the sense in it. We don't see how, how, how you're in it, but you, you ask us to just go there. And, Lord, I know this morning that, that, God, you are speaking to different people around this room, and you're reminding them of something that maybe you've asked them to do back in the day, and, and they, for whatever reason, they listened, but it just stopped there. It didn't move to trust. They didn't move to obedience. And, Lord, this morning, you brought that back up. And even as you're bringing that back up, there's apprehension and there's fear that's just coming in. But, Lord, I pray that Jesus this morning, they would be able to grab a hold of just how good you are, Jesus how loving you are, how our dad in heaven is so for us that he, he, he stepped down out of heaven, gave his life for us. So if that's the kind of love that you have for us, if that's the kind of character that you have, God, then, then surely we can say yes to whatever it is that you're, you're calling us, asking us, inviting us to do. So Lord, I pray that, that Father, Lord, we would walk out of this room today, God, men and women who are full of, of trust God, full of, of not just trust, but God, a heart that is ready and willing to obey and to follow you wherever it is that you ask us to go. And Lord, I, I pray that you would not just help us to be like that on an individual level, but God, help us to be that kind of a church, a church that is full of faith, that's dreaming big dreams, a church that is going, God, wherever it is that you're asking us to go, God, help us to listen. God, help us to listen. Help us not to get so caught up in just doing church. The programs and God, all the stuff that we do. God, I pray that you would help us not to just get so caught up in that, that God, we forget to listen. God, help us to slow down, God, to, to listen to you and to be with you, to abide in you, and, and then to just go wherever it is that you're asking us to go. And God, I pray that you, you would take us places, God, that we can't do on our own. God, take us places that are going to require this just the, a faith in you and the God that we can't see. God, as we do that, I pray that, that you would pour out your blessing. God, pour out your blessing on families. God, pour out your blessing on this community. God, move and work in the community of Ferndale. God, move in this county. God, pour out your blessing as your church says, yes, we are going to trust and obey our Father in heaven wherever he leads. God, I pray all this in your good, awesome, glorious name. Amen. 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 Amen.